Apathy stole the best of me. Apathy stole the best of me. Apathy stole the best of me. Mark chapter 8, verse 14 through 21. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the Bible says this. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Verse 15. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, is it because we have no bread? So is Jesus getting angry at us because we, didn't, we forgot to bring the bread? Here's the thing. Let me just pause for a second here. These guys had not just seen once. They'd seen twice Jesus do a miracle with 5,000 people, 5,000 men. And then at another time with 4,000 men. That's not including women and children. So if there's anything that they should have known is that Jesus has got this. This is not a food issue. It's not a food problem. So aware of the discussion. So Jesus knows what we talk about behind closed doors. Jesus knows what we talk about in those hidden places and how we feel. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears but fail to hear. And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up then? They answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? So Jesus is saying, hey, this is not a bread thing. I'm not addressing the bread thing. I'm addressing something else. I am convinced of something. And I know that there are a lot of other pastors that are convinced of this as well. Now let me tell you who I'm not speaking to this morning. Who I'm not speaking to this morning is the individual who works. The individual who doesn't, have, who, who doesn't have the opportunity because they are making a living and so they can't be here. But let me talk to everyone else for a moment, if you would. I am convinced that the one thing that will destroy the church, it's not what conservative Christianity says is the liberal left that's coming in with false beliefs. That's not what's going to wreck the church. It's not the devil pounding out on the gates of the church because the Bible says that he cannot prevail against the church. I am convinced that the one thing that will absolutely destroy and eradicate and rot a church from within is apathy. It's apathy. And I've been in that place of apathy, so I don't come at you from a point of judgment. I want to come at you from a point of explanation. I've been there before. So there's a reason why I brought this crib up here. You see, because I found, see, we didn't have a bed here. I would have brought the bed on stage. That would have been cool, wouldn't it? But I have found that God has destined you for high places. He's destined, he, he calls you an heir. He calls you a chosen lineage. He calls you his priests. 
That means the same function that I do as a pastor, you can do as a person who believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need to call upon the pastor to pray for you. God can do it just, just with you through your prayer. But I have found that while the throne room of God is the seat of power, the throne room of apathy is the bed. It's the cradle. Now let me explain to you why, because I want to explain how this kind of looks like on a Sunday morning. And then I want to address how it looks like in the remainder of your life. Can I share with you how it looks like on Sunday morning? You ready to go? I don't have work. I don't have anything in the morning. But you know what? I'm laying down, man, and I am tired. And I am so beat. And I just can't seem to get up. You know, this is just one of those pajamas and bed day. I think I'm going to stay here with Reverend Pillow and Deacon Sheets. And we're going to worship here in the Church of the Holy Sheets for the day. Now, here's why I want to share with you that this is a problem in Christianity. The reason that it's a problem in Christianity is because we have broken down the barriers of legalism. And legalism said you needed to be here every time that the doors of the church were open. And so people felt this violent physical pressure to be here every time that the church doors were open. Not necessarily because they wanted to be here. But because there was a pressure on them to maintain their social status, to maintain themselves in the church. So when we began to break down the walls of legalism in the church, there was now no restraint on who came in and out and when they did or when they didn't come to worship in the house of God. And so that was freeing, incredibly freeing. But the problem that has followed through with that freeing sense and that breaking of that legalism is apathy has replaced it. Apathy has replaced it. And so it becomes a challenge. And once again, I am, I am, I am prefacing this. We live in the tri-state area. There's people who work. And there's no mercy on Sundays. I get it. I totally understand it. This is not for you. But when we have spiritual apathy that doesn't allow us to raise ourselves up from the bed and get up and give our time to Jesus an hour and a half a week, we've got a problem, folks. We've got a big problem. The thing that will wreck the church is spiritual apathy. It will destroy the church. Why? The worst thing that you can have is somebody who believes rightly and doesn't follow through on that, be, on that belief. That is the worst thing that can happen. And I have been there. I have been in a position of apathy. I have been in a position of depression before. Why do I bring up the bed? Because I've laid in that bed before. You know, I had one of the most depressing times of my life was when I was in college. I kind of wanted to do things my own way. I didn't kind of want to listen. I, I had left high school uh, early, and I went up to Potsdam, New York. Does anybody know where Potsdam, New York is? Exactly. <laughs> it is 20 minutes from the border of Canada. 
And I swear to you, it was May, and I was coming home from school, and it was still snowing. That's Potsdam, New York. It is Depression Central. And so one of the things that I tell you that happened is when you're spiritually and you're physically apathetic, your bed becomes your best friend. You don't want to get up from that thing. You've been there before? Your bed becomes your best friend. Your pillow becomes your best friend. You have nobody else out there. And so that is the only place that you occupy and that you feel safe because that is the place that you go for safety. It's your bed. When your bed is your safe place and the only place that you can go for safety and security, friends, there's an emotional issue that's going on in your life. It, it is either the beginning of apathy the beginning of depression, or you have been in it for so long that you have not even seen it coming. And I've been there. I've been to a place where you could have entered into my dorm room, and not because I was a man, but there was uh, 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 just dirty dishes all over my dorm room. There was just cans of items thrown all over my dorm room. I probably hadn't washed the sheets in months. I hadn't done laundry. It's, you know, reverse underwear. You know, you're going to get like... Five uses out of those things. And we, and we laugh. And we laugh. But when you don't feel like getting up and doing anything, it affects every aspect of your life. You don't want to be where you are. You don't even want to live the life that you've been given. And it's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be both physically and spiritually. Let me share with you. From time to time, God's people really need a little, a little zest. In their life. You remember that, that soap bar zest? Man, it used to brighten you up, brighten your day up. That little spiritual zest checkup. And that's always been the case. It really has always been the case. That's why God gave the people of Israel festivals in the Old Testament. There were time to renew yourself, to remember God's goodness. See, in the church age, this is often done through revivals or calls to spiritual service. And maybe today is a good day for us to take a checkup and to see if we are the victims of the spiritual blah. That's exact, if you could sum up apathy in one word, it's blah. It's when you just feel like, <clears throat> you see, I, can, I don't even have to say words to be able to express. <clears throat> blah. It kind of expresses what spiritual apathy is about. See, the disciples found themselves in that place. And it's hard to believe since they were in Christ's presence every day. But nonetheless, they found themselves in a state of dullness. And I don't want to be too hard on them. Because we're the presence of a living God every day. And he dwells within the lives of people who call on the name of Jesus. But like the disciples, we also have all the resources that we need to never fall prey to spiritual lethargy. To spiritual apathy. To those blah moments. But the reality is, is that we do. Maybe the exchange Jesus had with his disciples will help charge your batteries a little bit this morning. Jesus asks five questions that I think we should all ask ourselves. Not only this morning, but continuously. Question number one. Do you still not see or understand? Do you still not see or understand? See, when you find yourself in that pit of life or living like the disciples were, you're merely operating on a superficial level. And you're responding to the first stimulus in front of you. 
you may want to stop and meditate on the significance of that question for a second. Stop and think about where you are. Stop and pause and think about what's happening to you. And stop and think about why is it happening to you. Is there a place that you need to be removed from? You see, do you know what fixed my spiritual apathy, my physical apathy? When they took my behind out of Potsdam, New York and brought me home, my spiritual apathy was over. Sometimes there's a place that you're in that is just not working for your life. Maybe it's a job that you're in that causes way more stress than you even need to be dealing with in your life. Maybe you need to take the bold step and just quit. Pastor Tom, did you just say quit? I said quit. Sometimes you need to take that bold step. And I'm not saying that that word is for everyone, but sometimes it's for someone. Sometimes this thing is wreaking so much havoc on your life, destroying your life, that maybe you need to move on to the next thing. Or maybe you need to talk to your boss and say, hey, look, this role that I'm in isn't really working out for me and where I want to be in my life right now. Do you maybe have something for me somewhere else that I could help you in? That will provide a little bit of a different environment. Can I tell you one thing that I hate working on? Does anybody work in sales here? No? You work in sales? Yeah. I hate sales. I was, I was, I hate, I hate, I, can I say it again? I hate sales. I hate sales. By that, I don't mean retail. I mean when you have a quota and you've got to get a certain number of something. I was a college admissions counselor. For a season. And I detested it. I saw a lot of different aspects of the tri-state area, but I absolutely detested it. Why? Because sometimes you cannot help the company look better than what it is. Sometimes no matter how hard you try to maneuver it and make it look good, it just doesn't work. So I know myself. So I know if I ever get myself into a position of sales... It's just not going to work for my life. It's going to depress me. It's going to bring me down. I'm always going to be worrying about whether or not I have a job to come to the next day. And so I don't want to be involved in something like that. For some of you, you need to analyze why is this happening? Are there people, are there people that you are associated with in your life that the more you're with them, the more depressed you get? The more depressed you get, the more you're around them, the more you hear them talk. And you want to be a good friend. But the more depressed you, I'm not talking about walking. Sometimes you got to walk through a friend through tough seasons. But I'm talking about somebody who just wants to park their lives, live in that zone, and they just want to mess things up. Because sooner or later, that's going to start affecting your life too. You need to begin to analyze. What does the Bible say about your situation? What is God speaking to you? Because that's important too. How is God speaking to you? The other thing is use your mind. Chances are that it will exhilarate you and you will find yourself once again sensing the fellowship and the freedom that comes from God. Number two, question number two that Jesus asks, are your hearts hardened? This is a really hard question for us to face. But it's essential if we're to have the communion with God that we and he desires. 
we need to beware of the development of a hard heart. You see, the heart is the center of our moral, ethical, and religious life. Now, let me explain to you what this means uh, so that you don't go and say, well, those wacky Christians out there, they really think that the heart thinks for itself. Okay, this is an allegory. It is a form of, of literary use whereby we understand the heart's job and function as an organ is to pump blood throughout the body. But what this means is the seat of power. I actually think that when the Bible refers to the heart, it's referring to the spirit, the soul of an individual, the ability of that individual to think. So the heart is that center of that moral, ethical, and religious life. And it can be a soft heart, meaning it can be responsive to God's will. And it's the responsibility of each believer to monitor and to guard their heart and to keep it spiritually maintained. The same way that we get up and we do exercise to maintain our bodies. The same way that we go to the doctor to be able to work through physical issues in our lives, to be able to maintain ourselves so that we could live a long, healthy life. Y'all want to live a long, healthy life? I do too. I don't want to die young. I want to live a long, help put me in the grave when I'm old and gray. And the same way that we perform that maintenance in our life is the same way that we need to perform that maintenance on our heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and I'm reading from the King James Version. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I'm going to read that again for you. We're going to Shakespeare it out this morning. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Look at the condition of your heart. Take a serious look. Are you dull inside or do you respond positively to the truth? If the heart doesn't respond to what the mind has understood, listen to me, this is spiritual apathy. If the heart does not respond to what the mind has understood, then it is because you've not really given yourself over to belief in Jesus yet. You may have recognized mentally that this is factual, that Jesus is the Savior, but you've never acted on it. You don't really believe God is going to do what he says he's going to do. See, God's truth always grips us. It, it moves us. When we believe it, if we're not challenged and encouraged, if we do not feel a response of joy, it's because the mind has not, has grasped it, but the heart has not. So we need to pray that the eyes of our heart would be open to God's spirit. So how do you discern if you have a hard heart? Here's the deal. Only God can search a heart properly. Because here's the issue. The Bible says it. The heart is deceitful. And we can easily begin to rationalize our condition. You know how that works? Oh, I'm messed up. But Susie's worse. Oh, I got some stuff going on. L let me tell you, I, I just, I had a situation, okay, that, that I heard of. And, and, and I'm kind of going to use this as a, as a platform here. There are people who have alcohol problems. That should never touch a drink in their life. Okay? So I know of this story. This person had an alcohol issue. Right? They show up to AA. They drink all the time. Show up to AA. You want to know what their response after they got out of AA was? Well, my issue is light because they're drinking Listerine to get drunk. 
See, here's the thing. We rationalize. We rationalize our issues. We try to make sense of our issues. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And I'm going to read in the King James Version because I think it sounds good. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why the psalmist asked for God's help. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way that is everlasting. Sometimes our spiritual blots, our spiritual apathy arise when our lifestyle conflicts with what the word of God has to say to us. You know what happens when our lifestyle conflicts with the word of God has to say? It's called sin. And the hardened heart is a consequence of sin. And here's what the psalmist says. Psalm 51, verse 1 and 2 and verse 10. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Question number three that Jesus asks. Do you have eyes but fail to see? And ears, but fail to hear. See, life is often a parable and a parallel to spiritual events. There's always more going on in our lives than we can actually see. Wisdom and spiritual discernment pause to seek what's going on that's deeper than this. You know what? Uh, I've, I've always find this to be the case. When someone comes up out of the blue and starts yelling at me and screaming at me. And it's been that way. I've had those issues in the church. They start yelling at me and screaming at me. I, what I understand by those situations is that there's something deeper going on there. It's, it's not just they're latching on to, to this thing. But there's something deeper that is going on there. As, as you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus said these words again and again to his disciples. Each time he means the same thing. Don't look at the events that you're seeing and think that that's all there is. A story from Elisha's ministry kind of gives this to us really beautifully. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the prophet Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The stories in Jesus' accounts are also perfect examples. Jesus refers to both the mass feedings and is expecting them to teach his followers deeper lessons. But all they could see were bread and fish or the lack thereof. But there were at least three lessons taught by Jesus in these events. First, you're in the presence of the living God. Their failure to understand this made them incapable of envisioning anything more substantive happening. In other words, all they could see was the physical reality. They couldn't see the miracle that God was trying to do. 
Second, that they couldn't see, God's supply will always equal or exceed your needs. You need to take, somebody got to take that word, tweet it. God's supply will always equal or exceed your needs. The third thing, since God is here and will meet your needs, you can focus on more important things than food and supplies. Number four, the question that Jesus asked him says, don't you, don't you remember? Sometimes that spiritual depression can be sent on its way by spending time reflecting on God's past goodness in your life. And David, who wrote many of the Psalms, did this frequently and for a good reason. It's hard to remain spiritually dull when you meditate on God's goodness. Jesus calls these two feedings to remembrance and urges them to rediscover the meaning of the events. Ask yourself questions when you're in moments like this. What has God taught you in the past through times like this? In what ways has God shown himself faithful? What promises have you found in scripture that God has kept even when it seemed that circumstances around you would not permit them to be kept? This is a great reason to keep a spiritual journal because it helps you remember the life's lessons that you've been through. Can I tell you, I have a spiritual journal. I do uh, because I find it hard to pray. Um, and, And let me preface that. I find it hard to pray a certain way. I find it hard to just sit down or kneel down for hours on end and just pray. That doesn't mean I don't do it. It just means it's difficult. For me to do it. Is anybody there? Does anybody have difficulty doing that? Does anybody, uh, you know, my prayer time when I try to pray like that, I end up, you know, kind of waking myself up 20 minutes later and being like, yeah, amen. <laughs> and, uh, and so I keep a, a prayer journal. And you know what I found out? There were uh, at least two instances that I could immediately recall of major issues that were going on around me. And I was praying to God, God addressed this, God fixed this. One issue, God made go away on its own. The other issue, through a conversation, I had to be able to bring unity and bring discipline to the situation. And I had to act on it myself. On too many occasions, we find ourselves slumping spiritually. And we can't reflect as easily as we really wish. The journal serves as an immediate resource to review what God has done in your life and how God has demonstrated his loves towards you. Jesus calls us to remember what he has done. And hasn't God taught you truth through past circumstances that you have gone through in your life? Do you remember the times that he showed you his love and cared for you during difficult moments in your life? Remember those times now. And always remember that you're in the hands of a loving God. Learn to lay hold of this truth for your life. Learn to enjoy your life. You know what I'm scared of? Here's what I'm scared of. I'm not only scared for our church, I'm scared for the whole of Christianity. And I'm scared for myself. I'm scared that we will stop living our life before God calls us home. I'm scared that we will stop living our life before God calls us home. I'm scared that we will be stuck in our apathy and the beautiful years that we have before us, that we have the ability to function and do things, we will miss out on. We will miss out on because the apathy will steal the best of you.
time and time again, apathy will steal the best of who you are. And before you know it, you're going to be old and gray. And all those years of your life will be have wasted away in spiritual apathy. Do not let that happen. Don't let it happen. Do not let apathy steal your best years from you. Do not let apathy steal your future from you. Don't let apathy take the vision of that God has placed in your life. I'm not going to let apathy steal the vision that God has placed in my heart, that God has placed over this church. Don't let apathy rob you. For it is not the devil that will come after you and wreck your life. It is from within that these challenges will come. Joyce Meyer wrote a book on this. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. Apathy will wreck and eat at your mind. Before you have to worry about cancer invading your body, you need to worry about the cancer of apathy invading your mind. Because it is far more dangerous than cancer to your body. Because it will prevent you from living your best life. Maybe you need to pause. Maybe you need to take a few days off. I'm going to suggest to you a few places that you can go this holiday season to be able to get your mind off of things. Take the bus. Go to New York City. Take your family to Rockefeller Center. Go see the tree. Go look at the windows. Go have fun. Go to Bryant Park in New York City. They have a great holiday stores that come out and ice skating that you can happen. Go out to dinner. Go see a movie. Get out of your room. Get out of your bed. Start living life. Spend time with your kids. Don't let this time waste away. Watch cartoons with them. Let them be silly with you and pull your ears. Let your grandkids mess around with you. Take them to Toys R Us. Do whatever you can so that you don't stop living this life now. And above all, respond to Jesus when he calls on your heart. This is the place. This is your family. This is where you need to be. This church, Risen King Church, it's where God has called you to be. Don't stop leading your best life that is right before you. Your best years are escaping you and you can't even see it happening before you. Jesus said in question number five, do you still not understand? After working through questions one through four, we, we can come full circle. But this time there is more understanding and our answer should be a little bit different. In fact, it should give us all we need to be removed. It should give us all we need to overcome those spiritual, spiritually apathetic moments. Will, will you allow yourself to be renewed this morning? Use your mind and seek understanding. Analyze the condition of your heart. Look beyond the obvious, beyond the visible. And remember all that God has done for you. And in doing all those things, I trust that you're going to find renewed strength. That you're going to find invigorated faith. That you're going to find an energy to praise and serve Jesus. And so I ask you this final question. Because it's the question that Jesus asked Throughout all the Bible. And it is the question by which John the Apostle was able to recognize who Jesus was in the book of Revelation. And Jesus asked this question time and time and time again. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear.
hear the message that God has spoken to you this morning. Your best life is ahead of you. I don't care if you're 19 or 90. Your best years are yet ahead. Live your life. Live your life. Don't stop living your life. Go different places. Watch holiday movies. You decided you weren't going to put a Christmas tree this up this year because it just doesn't feel like the holiday season. How many of you have been there before? I'm not going to put a Christmas tree up. It doesn't feel like the holiday season. Get that Christmas tree out and go decorate it. Put some lights on it. Enjoy this season. It is a season of joy. It is a season of peace. This season, the season of Christmas, wrecks and throws a wrecking ball through the spirit of apathy. It wrecks it. It destroys it. Because Jesus came. And he came to bring everlasting joy. Make something of your life. God has given you an opportunity to live and breathe Do something with it beyond going through their front porch, beyond staying in your bed in your living room, beyond hanging out in your bed. Life is to be lived, not to be slept through. 